You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. We serve a God, a faithful God, through all generations. Thanks for reminding us of Psalm 100 on the backside of that song, Milt. Why don't you find your scriptures, if you have a Bible with you or in a, in a chair in front of you. Find Philippians. We're going far today, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, so get ready for it. One verse on your way there, find Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. We've got one picture in there from last week. This is from Kalen. Is Kalen here today? Where is, there he is. In the, everybody, there he is. So I had a couple different pictures turned in. I had a worm turned in, Obi Worm Kenobi. Yeah, they're in the back, so you can look at the other ones. This one, though, from Kalen. Uh, great. What's our name tag? This was, we were, and we're going to see this again, Kaylin, so thank you for this. Citizenship in heaven. That's your name. That's where our true citizenship lies, and Paul brings that out in Philippians, and so I appreciate that from you, Kaylin, and others as you draw them. If you're in four, chapter 4 of Philippians verse 1, that's great. Um, I'm going to, just for context, and uh, because we need it and we will benefit from it, go back to chapter 3, verse 1, and just read this. Because I think I'll, I'll give a few reasons. I think 4.1 is a way of summarizing what's come before, so let's just read it. So I'm going to just back you up to chapter 3, verse 1. Let's listen to God's Word, and then we'll, we'll seek to understand it. So starting chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray. Father, again, as we come to your word, I pray for your spirit to do a work in these minutes that we have together. That you would work in the preacher's heart up here. That you would preach in those that hear. You would work in their heart. Father, threats abound. Threats to our standing firm in you. Help us to see them. Help us to watch out for them. To be aware. To not be caught off guard. And to glory in the gifts you've given that enable us to stand firm. So guide our time with understanding, with application, Lord, that we would go from here, that we would not be just hearers of the Word. We would be doers. We would not just say, that was a great thing we heard about standing firm, that that we would be a people, this localized body at Bethany Bible, a group that would stand firm in the Lord. So help us to do that as as we think about this verse. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as we look at this verse, it's short, right? One verse here. It might be helpful, it's helpful to me to ask a question just right up front of this verse. What danger, what danger were the Philippians facing that would make Paul exhort them to stand firm? So there's a call here. There's a call to stand firm. And behind that call, it anticipates that either something's coming or maybe it has come, that's a threat to their standing in the Lord. There's a threat on its way. When you get a thunderstorm warning at at your house, however you get that, if you get that on the phone these days, or however you, you get a warning of some sort that a thunderstorm is on its way to your section, you go outside and you, hopefully, you find things to tie down, or you, oh man, I forgot that was outside. You bring things in, you prepare you prepare for things even to, maybe you tie it down. We used to tie our trampoline to our porch with who, who knows if both of them would go or what, but, but you tie them down. They'd stand firm because you knew a threat was coming. You prepare. So for the Philippians, what's the threat? What, what storm threatens them so that Paul would then exhort them to stand firm? The context of the book itself of Philippians seems to indicate five threats that at least I can find. Some are maybe interrelated, but five of them. 
And it's not clear if all these threats were just were present at the time of Paul's writing, or maybe they were, they were anticipated, that sort of idea. But these people, the Philippians, the church here, they were to get ready for these threats. So I, I want to look at them briefly. I'm not going to read the whole book again, but I want to just touch on them. So if you can look back through uh, your scriptures in Philippians and just, just see these with me. And I, I think the, the study, the helpful, the context helps us come back to our one verse that we're in today. So if we cut back to chapter 1, Paul's writing, we're presuming from Romans, different ideas on that, but I'm thinking Romans here. And by the midpoint of chapter 1, Paul's talking about opposition in Rome, where he's at. He's imprisoned in Rome. So he's talking about that opposition. But by verse 27, you find Philippians 1.27? By there, now Paul's talking about opposition among the Philippians in their place. So look at verse 27. I'll read through 30. He says this in chapter 1, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and here it is, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul says here they're to expect suffering. They're engaged, same conflict. He's got opposition, they do too. Paul faced suffering for Christ. They should expect it as well. And, and he, warns, he warns them, don't be afraid, but how are they to stand? And you saw it in there, verse 27. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. So the striving of these Philippians, the standing firm, had a point. There's a, there's a for here. It was for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To borrow Paul's words from verse 20 of the same chapter, he says that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You see here, there's a call, and it's a call to stand side by side, but not merely in a, in a political sense, right? Not to side, as Republicans or side by side as conservatives, But the standing and the striving and the suffering here, it goes beyond politics, even though those things are to be influenced, right, for the sake of Christ, influenced by our walk with Christ, or they should be. But the striving and the the standing are ultimately for the sake of Christ. If we lose Christ as the focus and target, we lose what Paul in God's Word is exhorting us to do, that he would be honored in life or death. So this very gospel was being opposed there to stand firm. But as we move on through Philippians, other threats emerge. The next one, threat number two, is found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I won't read them all. This threat here seems more maybe internal. There's rivalry. There's conceit in the house of believers. 
Paul calls the Philippians there in, in that chapter to have the mind of Christ. And we look through this, kind of a review of the book, right? We look through this. What's the mind of Christ? Humility, obedience to the point of death, counting others more significant than yourselves. What's the threat there? The threat is self-interest. What I want above other-centered interest. How easily we go there. That's a threat. Our own interests in place of others. Threat number three comes to us in chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. I will read that. So we're just zooming through here, looking at threats. What are the threats to standing firm? Number, or chapter 2, verse 14. Here's another one. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What's the threat? The threat is being a dull light, an unlit candle in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Believers are to shine as lights, but what's the threat here? Grumbling, questioning would extinguish or greatly dim the light that they were to be in the world. There's a threat. Grumbling is a threat. All right, moving along. Chapter 3. So there's, there's three of them. Chapter 3, threat number 4. Threat number 4 is those that we read, and I won't reread these, uh, probably verse 2 really, right? The dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. Those who would put their eternal confidence in the flesh rather than Christ. That's a threat. The glory of Christ is made dim by those who would put confidence of righteousness in their ethnicity or their keeping of the law, whatever, rather than counting all as a loss for the sake of Christ. And Paul combats the threat of those who would glory in the flesh. How does he combat it? There's a call here. There's a call to righteousness from God that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's the surpassing worth of knowing him. Gains of the flesh, our works, they pose a threat to our glorying in the sufficiency of our Savior. We're getting really close to our verse now. Threat number five. We just saw, I guess it would be two weeks ago, those Paul called the enemies of the cross of Christ. We looked at those. Verse 19 in chapter 3 describes them. So now we're really close to our verse 3.19 says <clears throat> of these enemies, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So at least here, five threats the Philippians faced. Threat to the gospel, a threat of internal rivalry and pride, a threat of being dim lights in the world by grumbling, the threat of glorying in the flesh, not in Christ's righteousness. And here's the threat of a mind set on earthly things. How do we summarize? Here's an attempt to summarize this. Brothers and sisters in Christ face the ever-present threat of replacing Christ by living for self and glorying in anything outside of Christ. That should be nothing new to us as we've read this book, right? 
We replace Christ by living for self. This, this threat. What does Paul say? Remember, it's on the top of your bullet, right? For to me to live is Christ. If we replace Christ, put him on the shelf, and insert something else. For me to live is to be honored. I want to be honored. I want to be recognized. Or my interest first. Or, or my belly. We exchange life in Christ for self. For living for self. And as we've seen here, that threat comes from without. Those that are opposed to the gospel. And it causes us to question, is, is living for Christ really worth the persecution? But it also comes from within. Grumbling. Self-interest ahead of others. Pride. So Christ's His centrality in our life is threatened by replacing His worth and His glory with our worth and our glory or the glory of created things rather than the Creator we see in Romans 1. And we face this threat, this exchange of glory, living for Christ, living for self. This is, this is a daily hourly threat to us. It's, it's threatened us while we've been together here. To look out for self. Here's just maybe one a quick diagnostic question for you. In the last 24 hours, just think through your own life. Last 24 hours, that's all we'll do. We don't have to look back further, I don't think. What made you frustrated or what made you joyful? Frust- maybe either. What gave you what frustrated? Joyful. What frustrated things didn't go what? They, they didn't go your way. Right? That's me. Or we were joyful because things went my way. Either way, they went my way. Right? So the question is, whose way, whose glory is our life all about? And so back to Paul, for to me, to live is Christ. So then, as we get to our verse, how do we minimize the threats, because they're out there, and they're in here, that would make us waver in glorying in Christ alone, hoping in Him alone. And I think there's two answers from verse 1. That was the introduction. It's, the rest isn't as long. But two answers from verse 1. And it involves two things. One, how do we deal with threats? One is God's people. It involves God's people. And number two, it's rooted in God's gospel. God's people to minimize threats, God's gospel. Look at 4.1 again. I'll just read it. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul has descriptions here. I count five of them of who he's talking to. Do you see them all? Brothers, loved, longed for, my joy, my crown. Brothers, we're used to this. We saw this. If you read along in chapter 3 with me, you saw it It's actually four times, this one being the fourth. He refers to them uh, in 3 verse 1, brothers rejoice in the Lord, or brothers and sisters. That would work. Some of you have notes. Could be brothers and sisters, okay? Brothers, sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 13, brothers, I forget what is behind and press on. Chapter 3, verse 17, brothers or sisters, join in imitating me. And then here, chapter 4, verse 1, brothers, stand firm thus in the Lord. 
Paul has a relationship with the ones he exhorts. Do you see that? It's just not just kind of, hey, you, this is brothers, sisters, relationship. Look at the other descriptions. Those whom I love and long for. The, the longing for, he used the same word in chapter 1, verse 8. He, he yearns for them with the affections of Christ, that yearning, the longing for, that's Paul towards the people he's exhorting. He loves them and yearns for them. And he's longing for them. And I don't think this is just because he's geographically, he's in Rome, they're in Philippi, they're just a long ways away. There's a deeper love and longing of Paul for the people. I want you to see that relationship. Even, and then we get to joy and crown. My joy and crown. Really, if you count, I think the fourth, fifth descriptions of those he writes to. So the question, why, Paul, why all these descriptions? Wouldn't it be just as well to just say beloved? I mean, that's kind of a shortened phrase, just beloved. Why does he add to beloved those who I love, I long for, my joy, or my crown, or prize, kind of like the, the victor, the prize? A couple things of what this points out, I think. And, and I think think we see it in Philippians as well. Number one, obviously, it indicates relationship. Paul's advice and commands. This is a command. Stand firm in the Lord. It's an imperative. Do this. But they are generously wrapped in a package of care and concern for the ones he writes to. He commands them here. Stand firm. But it's not a cold command. I've referenced a lot to this clip on, on YouTube of Bob Newhart. You remember Bob Newhart? And he's a, he's a counselor, and I just I love this one, and I'll probably keep using it for a long time because this counselee comes in to be counseled by Bob Newhart, this counselor, and she lays it out before him. I'm struggling with this, and these are things going wrong. And if you've seen the clip, Bob Newhart, the, the counselor, you know, she's looking for that answer, that help. And, this is, and Bob Newhart just says, well, stop it. Just, just stop it. That's his advice. You know, she's looking for this caring, concern, whatever. And he just says, stop it. That's what Paul could do here. He could just say, just stand firm. Just, just do it. Come on, I've told you. Many times, stand firm. He prefaces it with, I love you guys. I long for you. You're my joy. You're a crown. Stand firm. You see the difference? It's packaged in love. Number two, Number two, it indicates Paul loves them enough to exhort them. There's a love to tell them, stand firm. Lest we think here, Paul gives kind of a, you know, if you don't mind, or I've heard that it's, it's probably good to stand firm. It's something maybe you should think about. And that's sometimes how we, sometimes we approach things. Maybe not you. You know, this might be best. It's just an idea, just a thought. That, that's not Paul here. Stand firm. And it's not a cold, but it's I love you, I yearn for you. Stand firm. It's clear and precise. And then number three, and I'll think with me on this. This gets a little deeper, so come with me. Challenge me on this, but I, I think we see this here. All these words, all these descriptions, it indicates that Paul's joy and prize is the body of Christ. 
Now, Paul's joy is found in knowing Jesus. Or verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, right? There's nothing compares to the surpassing worth of Christ. And yet here we see Paul saying, you're my joy and crown. Go, well, wait, wait, is he replacing Christ with them and all this sort of thing? This is, this is quite interesting. Think about a couple other places that describe the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, And he, that is the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave him Jesus as head over all things to the church. And now there's a definition of the church. The church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Or 1 Corinthians 12, 27, a familiar verse to us. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. For Paul, the joy and prize of knowing Christ It's not just an individualistic experience. It's corporate. Kids, that means kind of, that involves more than one. For the Spirit of Christ fills every believer. And I think in this, this is how standing firm involves God's people. When we fellowship with one another, there is a way, hear me rightly, there's a way in which we're fellowshipping with Christ Jesus himself. If we're his body and we gather and fellowship together, we're being built up by Christ through what? Through his, his body. The body of Christ is his church, his hands, feet, eyes, ears. And so Paul can speak of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, but that's not apart or separate from being with the people of Christ. You see how crucial it is that we gather. It's not just a throwaway like that's something we ought to do that's, that's probably good. I, maybe they'll play some, maybe they'll play my song today, whatever. There is work, God's work of helping us stand firm within the body. Oliver, are you still in here? Come up here, Oliver. Oliver's going to help me out today. I don't normally come down here, but this, will, this just came to my mind. Thank you for being willing to do this. You don't have to say a thing. Okay. This is Oliver. Oliver, I want you to stand as firm as you can. I want you to stand strong, okay? Now, Oliver's going to picture us in this verse and this standing firm. I'm the threat. Now, I asked his parents, is this okay? I'm not going to push Oliver down, okay? But we're just going to illustrate. If I do this, Oliver's going to move. And I can get to him, or I can, I can pull Oliver. I'm a threat to Oliver if he wants to stand firm right now. It's pretty mobile, okay? But Oliver, what? I'm going to get you some help. And this is going to illustrate the church. Jason, can you come up here? Brandon, would you come up here? Steve, come up here. Grant, come up here. I need four of you guys. I want you guys, you don't have to say anything, I talked about Dallas Cub. You can stay there, Dallas. All right, you got out of this. I want you guys to stand around, make a wall around Oliver. I mean, you might have to get a little close. Okay, I'm a threat. Stand around. Oliver, okay, I'm going to try to move, but these guys are around you. Can I move? 
you, you know what's happened, right? I cannot move Oliver in this. These guys got him, right? That's all, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver. You can head back. Awesome. Appreciate it. You see what it is in, to be in the body of Christ? That's what we need. If we're just by ourselves and alone, we're just, I'm over here. Well, wait, I'm tugged over here. There's threats until we get guys, ladies, coming around to say, we're going to strive side by side, right? Standing firm with one mind for the sake of the gospel. That's the church. It's what God's gifted us. This is a gift. We want to celebrate that. So it's God's people. It involves God's people. Standing firm involves that. And so Paul exhorts them, stand firm. All this love I long for. May God give us that love, that yearning for one another. And I know sometimes when we get pushed, we, we might bristle a little bit or certain things. We're, we're not perfect, are we? But that's, this is God's plan for us. Context of relationship. All right. But standing firm is also rooted in something. It's rooted in the gospel. That's what the body helps us to stand firm in. Remember the gospel. Remember who your Savior is. And now we get to that command. This command now, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Maybe you have in your Bible, if you've got an NASB or others, you've got stand firm in this way, or maybe in this way, stand firm, it says. Paul's saying, in this way, stand firm. And the question now for, the, for us as we study this is going, well, now what way, Paul? What, this way, what's the way to stand firm? What's, what's he referencing here? Is he referencing what's come before, maybe chapter 3, or what's come after, chapter 4? There's differences in opinions on this. Two things in this verse make me think he's referencing what comes before. And perhaps why, at least in the ESV, you've got verse 1 kind of just almost tied into chapter 3. It just looks like it's just part of that chapter. So two things make me think it's looking backwards. We don't have to be dogmatic on it, but it looks behind. Stand firm in this way. What, what way has Paul laid out? And that way, I think, is chapter 3. Paul begins this little verse with, therefore. Right? Therefore, my brothers. Got the idea of result or as a result, my brothers, stand firm. So a result of what? I think what he's, what he's already referenced, what's already come before. And then secondly, this word thus or in this way. And as I look it up in other uses around the English and this sort of thing, it seems to look back. It doesn't always look backwards, but it seems to, when you say in this way, it kind of has that looking back. Sometimes it can look forward, but looking back. And so I think we could look back through all of chapter 3 again. I won't do that. We can see why do we stand firm in the Lord? Number one, it's His righteousness, not ours. Praise the Lord. Our confidence is in Him, not in our flesh. Justification. And then Paul exhorts us by his example, exhorts, press on, strain forward because of the one who has made me his own. So, so our justification, our sanctification, our walking with Christ, it's all in the Lord. It's what he's doing. It's his righteousness. He's the one that call, has called. We can press on because he's made me his own. 
But I want to narrow in just briefly and look back, since we didn't cover them like super in-depth, and we won't today either, but verses 20 and 21, right before where we're at. Let me read them again, because the standing firm to see the most immediate context is these verses. And verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Paul's language here is helpful. And we discussed, yes, last week, you can listen to it if you missed it, we talked about citizens of the United States and what that looks like and and what rights that comes with, what responsibilities. But our standing firm alone in our country is shaky ground. And we're feeling that shakiness. Paul reminds us our true citizenship is in heaven. That's truly home. And that's for those in Christ. And by saying those in Christ, I don't mean everyone born. It's You must be born again. If you're born again and have seen your sin and your need for a Savior, trusting Him, you're in Christ. You're a new creation. Your citizenship is not primarily here. You have a new king. You are sons and daughters of the king. And the threat of us as sons and daughters is to place our hope in something else. Even in our day, maybe a hope, maybe the government will be reformed, though I don't know how many of us are hoping for that. But maybe that can be a hope. Boy, if if so-and-so would just get in, if this would just happen. Chuck Colson writes this, and I think it fits here. Bear with me. He writes a book on the body and the body of Christ, and he he warns of the danger when in Rome, back uh, 4th century, I think it was, Rome was made the official religion. You know, I think, boy, it's all just maybe became official. Here's what he writes. He says, when Christianity was made the official religion of Rome in the 4th century, the church became socially and politically acceptable. People with half-hearted faith flocked to churches that could no longer disciple them. Soon the word Christian became meaningless. He goes on to write, say this, the church must stand apart from the state. Independence from the culture is what gives the church its reforming capacity and enables it to point society toward the truth. The church must be free to address issues biblically across the spectrum and speak prophetically regardless of who is in power. We are to stand firm because our citizenship primarily lies in Christ's kingdom and we are ambassadors. I watched a clip, I I think it was, okay, this is the third week we'll mention Del Tackett and then maybe no more. Okay, it was in that... uh, Some lady, she put on the outside of her house, this is an embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ on her house. We're we're ambassadors here. This is not primarily our home. We have a kingdom. And so we stand firm for the sake of Christ, which will influence us politically. It's not we're just not apart from it. It influence or should influence, influence us. But it puts the glory of Christ above any other thing that can steal that that glory. So there's citizenship. There's also hope here in this verse of a future transformation. Our standing firm in the gospel is rooted in the transforming work of Christ. 
right? He's doing that work in us now. We've talked about that. And then verse 21, he promises one day we'll be complete. We'll be like like his glorious body. So even though we teeter and totter like Oliver did up here, and we, we have this back and forth, we're easily blown, even by our own sin, our hope is the ultimate future transformation of this lowly body to be like Christ's glorious body. And we can stand firm now in a future hope. How is that hope made sure? Because our Savior has risen from the dead. We have a sure hope never to die again. And then look at the one last one. Citizenship It's going to transform us. Lastly here, verse 21, transform us by the power that enables Him, Christ, to subject all things to Himself. Christ's power is ultimate. Our transformation is by His power, and it's the same power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. We can stand firm in the Lord because we have an ultimate standing firm Savior and Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. He will not be shaken. His throne will not not be usurped. His will will be accomplished. We don't stand in our own strength and power. We stand in His And so as verse 1 says, we are to stand firm in the Lord. How is your standing going today? We sang it today. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. To put any other foundation is to miss the whole gospel. It's to not glory in Christ. He's given us fellow believers, brothers, and sisters closer than blood. And we're bonded in the Spirit. It's given us one another to encourage one another, to build one another up. He's promised us citizenship in heaven, an entrance bought and purchased with His blood and sealed by His Spirit. And so threats, though, they abound. Interesting, if you've been reading through your Bible on the the two-year plan, that orange sheet, it's still out in the front. You can get it if you want to join with us as you read through a Bible in two years. Uh, Mark 14, you came to this week. Was it this morning? Yesterday? Somewhere in there. I think yesterday. Jesus praying in the garden the night He would be betrayed and crucified the next day. He tells His disciples, He says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Some of us this week went out. We went to the barn to help with, with hay. And Steve even said, Mike, you got an illustration here for something on the sermon? And yes, there was a threat out. Well, there were multiple threats. It was all safe. Jason, you kept us well, and we're and Aaron. And that. But that hay, when you, hey, this is my first time, so now I'm, no, it you know comes up the the conveyor comes across the barn. This one was high, you know, it's way up there. This bale of hay coming. I don't know how much they weigh. What were they? Fifty pounds, something like that, maybe. Okay, coming up, comes to a certain point and it gets tipped off and just falls right to the ground. You've, you've been in the barn, you've seen this before. It's a threat. It's a threat. Uh, Milt let us know. You know, I had somebody break his neck under one of these, which caused us all to maybe back up a little bit and watch out a little bit more. There's a threat. So what did we all do when we're up there? 
We didn't go around and just kind of someday, I just hope I don't get hit. We were like this, you know, just the whole kind of watching up and then you, you grab it and keep watching a little bit. There's threats out there. We're to watch for it. The beauty is, at least on that day, is that there were others around. So if you got hit, hopefully they'd be good enough to, you know, help you out or, or say it's falling, you know, pull you out, that sort of thing. There was a body. There was believers around. We face these threats to watch and pray. Threats abound. We need one another. It's crucial for us to gather in fellowship. And it's also crucial we remember the gospel. Fix our eyes on Jesus, citizens of his kingdom. That his work will take place, his transforming work will take place. He reigns over all things. So, brothers and sisters, stand firm in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we need to just praise you right now because you didn't just tell us stand firm and leave us to figure it out. You have put all the people in this room around us. This is your plan. This is your gracious plan. We all have our warts. We all have got our issues. Each one of us has our sin that we, we bring to this place. And yet, Lord, your graciousness is to provide brothers and sisters around us that we would be able to stand firm. Lord, none of us know how many Sundays we get. I think we're more aware of that than, they, than we were or we should be. Lord, grow us deep as a body. Not just to say hi. Lord, that you would grow relationships together here to encourage one another. When there's an opportunity for us to exhort another believer, may we, may we do that with love and directness. Lord, where believers have gone astray or we haven't seen them for some time, may we desire to reach out as well and help see that as a need. And then, Lord, ground us in the gospel. May, we, may our faith be rooted in Jesus Christ, that no other glory thing, no other thing would take the place of living for you, Jesus. No vacation, no status, no, no amount of money, no day going well or going bad, Lord, would replace living for you and trusting you with each day. So, Lord, we call out to you, help us to stand firm to the end by your power and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota. Thank you.